Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Peter Greenwood Show podcast. My name is Peter Greenwood and we're back. Took a few weeks off because I wasn't very well. I'm still not 100% if I'm being completely honest. I still feel kind of sick as a dog, but we are pushing forward. We are pushing through that because the podcast must get through. Come rain, come shine, come sleet, come show, come snow. The podcast must go on. I completely ruined that. So we're going to move on from that and we are going to play the first highlight, which was actually from a few weeks ago. One of my favorite, not just guests ever, but my favorite humans ever, Tessa Violet. She was wonderful. She was just... Ah, Tessa. This is my interview with Tessa Violet. She came back on the show and she spoke to us about her brand new single, Bad Ideas. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is a guest I had on about the middle of last year and she instantly became one of my favourite people I've ever had on the show. And I am so happy to tell you, she's back. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome returning to the Peter Greenwood show, Tessa Violet. How are you, Tessa? You well? doing well how are you i am very well last time we spoke it was the hottest day of the year now it looks like it's coming up for one of the coldest so <gasps> oh that sounds so romantic and beautiful to me in my head it's snowy and it's scotland and yeah reality does not look <laughs> like that it's gray and murky and manky so that's, that's you know stick with the dream though that'll that'll look better yes i will so let's get into the whole Tessa of it because last time you were here you were here speaking about Crush and since then you've had a brand new single called Bad Ideas congratulations on that by the way I love Bad Ideas ah uh, thank you Peter me too <laughs> let's uh, it's kind of like asking you to pick your children but Crush or I know you've got more songs to choose from in your repertoire of course but as for most recent works Crush or repertoire no Crush or Bad Ideas? <laughs> Crush or every other song you've ever written. Ooh. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, again, I, I hate to pick a favorite because I don't like it to sound like I don't like any other songs. I like, I like, I'll put it this way, I love Crush so much. I do, I'm really proud of it. Um, but Bad Ideas is my favorite. It's just saying something I feel like I've been dancing around in my lyrics for a long time, and I just feel like I really hit the nail on the head of like, yes. So let's talk about the origins of Bad Ideas, where the song came from, and how it all came together. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, well, at the time, I was... I'd just come out of a breakup, and I was kind of... What's the word? Floundering, maybe? Just really trying to avoid having to grieve in any way. <laughs> like you do at the end of a relationship. You just kind of want to want to bury your head and not acknowledge that it's over. And when it does hit you, you want to take it in small steps as opposed to the tsunami that hits you. Yeah, exactly. Just, I really wanted to avoid my feelings, as you do. And, um... I was dating around um, in the positive way, in the like, you know, not com no commitment in the and being very upfront with people. Like, hey, I'm just looking to go on some dates, get to know some people. I'm not ready to get into anything. And I'd met someone who I think something that really surprised me after I broke up and I started dating was how few people one actually has chemistry with, um, because before that relationship I hadn't really dated much I kind of like met someone and been really into them and then been in a like long-term committed relationship and like the all, all the dating apps came out during that relationship so I'd never had that experience before and then when I started dating I was like oh you do not have chemistry with that many people and then when I did meet someone I did have chemistry with. I was like, oh, yeah, more of this. I, I want to see this guy again. I want to like go on more dates. I want to have a great like romance with him. And he was very nice, but, you know, not, not so into it. Not mm -hmm. as into it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just had this sense one morning. I opened my eyes, and I was like, yes, I want more. Um and then this immediate following of like, this is a bad idea. Um, just because I know that I'm just setting myself up for um, more heart, 
break and distraction, avoiding what what maybe I should really be focusing on, like myself and working through this breakup. But it's too too exciting. I'd far rather like get really into this person and experience a, another heartbreak and avoid that or something. I don't know. I don't know about the avoiding it. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's kind of natural, though, to want more of what makes us feel good and to want to be with the people that make us feel good, even if there's something inside us which says this isn't going to work out the way you think. Yes, exactly. And I think I'd had a lot of uh, experiences like that where, like, I knew on the front end, like, ooh, I don't know if this guy's going to be good for me, but don't care. Want it. Bad idea. Let's do it. In the video for Bad Ideas, you say about how your life has been bad ideas, (laughs) which was a fantastic video, by the way. I laughed with it. I mean, I know you're putting yourself out there, but it was it was kind of funny. I hate to say I was laughing at your pain, but it it was no. That's great. Glad to hear it. My mom's always like, "Why do you say that?" Um, Because I said that in my live show too. So I'm like, like my whole life, bad ideas. She's like, "Why do you always say that?" She's like, "You've had so many good ideas." I'm like, "I mean, my dating life, mom." And she's like, well, that's everyone, Tess. Plus, there's also things that, well, let's be real, there are some things that happen inside your head that your parents don't necessarily hear or get to know about, and that that is not always good ideas. I know I have a few bad ideas my parents would be horrified if, I, if they found out about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is one of it, one of which is doing the show. Don't tell them. Shh. Do your parents not know you do this? No. no. Well, my my mom isn't here anymore, but my dad knows. And Nice. Interesting. So how quickly did the song come together? What was the writing process like for Bad Ideas? Mm, I came together almost right away. It was it's, Before Bad Ideas came into the picture, Seth and I, uh, my producer, had been working for about a month. And I had like uh, 10 or 15 songs either mostly done or half done that we were working on, but nothing was really clicking in a way that felt satisfying. And I wrote this song um, one night as after I'd seen this guy and I was like, Oh, I'm going to write a song to flirt with him. Like it's like grab his attention. And it's so great. It's so satisfying. Sometimes songs need to be slaved over to be completed and sometimes they just come together they snap together and that was this one just came together right away um i hope that you don't think i'm rude but i want to make out with you you know that's a good lyric thank you um yeah that was something i said to him so stick it right in the song um did you really say that out loud I mean, something along those lines, something along the lines of like, hey, it's okay if this is weird, but like, do you want to make out? Um, Wow, dig that confidence, lass. Wish I could be like that. Although I wish girls could come up and say, hey, you want to make out to me? That would be perfect. I would love that. (laughs) Please let me know where I can find those girls. Yeah. I mean, I think just find someone who's been through a recent, the recent trauma of a breakup and who's like, no stakes. Um... Yeah, it's great. You know, it's it's kind of very, very active but fun consent, you yeah. know? Yeah, um, yeah. Just, like, boldly asking. And, yeah, I'd encourage more people to do that. It was it was empowering to go through a phase where I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to ask for what I want for. And if the answer is no, then that's okay. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to know when, the, when someone's like, oh, yeah, heck yeah, that sounds like fun. Anyway, that's a tangent. Um, so yeah, and as I was writing it, I just had this, there's this turning from like, wow, isn't this fun to kind of realizing like, you know, he's probably not thinking this much about me. And isn't this just so much like the pattern of my dating life to really do everything I can to capture someone's attention who maybe maybe is interested or maybe won't be that interested for long and again this phrase of like bad ideas came back to me bad ideas i know where they lead but i have too many to sleep and feeling like i'm I'm careening on this path that i can't i cannot um move away from 
See, that's the lyric that really got my attention. Bad ideas, I know where they lead, but I've got too many to sleep. Because I am the kind of guy who, once I meet a girl, I'm like, I am really into you. And 99.99999.7% of the time, it never, ever works out. Like, if I told you the last time I'd been on a date, you would cry for me. So, (laughs) the idea of falling for someone and just not being able to sleep because there's so much on your mind that's where i got into the song i was like okay i relate to this on a spiritual level and there's also a point at the end when you go yikes and i'm like i felt that in my soul because (laughs) there's a moment when you think i'm gonna go for this and you think oh yikes this is this is happening kind of thing yeah there was no real question there i was just talking about your lyrics and how good they were no thank you i love to hear you took from that yeah the yikes as I was writing, because it's it starts like very just like casually talking to someone, and then second verse is like looking inward, being like, "Why do I do this?" And then like by the bridge, it's uh, this progression, this amping up of becoming a bit more frantic, and it feels more frantic. And then again, looking inwards and being like, "Oh yikes! Like this this isn't cute. This ain't it." Yeah, this is this is the start of the path that you've been down a thousand times before, but now when you get to the end of it, there's somebody else's name there, and you're like, oh, yikes. Yeah, I'm like, just be, be cool. Yeah, just <laughs> Hold down. Just chill. Let's, let's just be yeah. cool. You dig me, I dig you, Let, let's chill. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Peter Greenwood Show. This is the voice of Tessa Violet. When we come back, we'll be discussing the Bad Ideas music video, and how long it took to really film. Stay with us, won't you? So much still ahead. Welcome back to the Peter Greenwood Show. I am the titular host of this train wreck, Peter Greenwood, except for today it is not a train wreck because I have one of my favourite guests back on this show. This is Tessa Violet. She is talking about her brand new single, Bad Ideas. And Tessa, I want to ask a little bit about the music video. When... The idea for the music video came along because that is a very, I I don't want to, it's a good music video, but I can't imagine the amount of work that went into filming it, into editing it, into putting it together. What was, tell us about the music video process and filming that. Yeah, um, it was a labor of love. I was really lucky to meet um, my director, Jade Ellers. I already had a music video shot for Bad Ideas, but yeah, it was in the editing process and I just felt like it wasn't doing for me what I wanted it to do. It wasn't saying what I wanted it to say visually. And the song just meant so much to me. It broke my heart, the idea of putting out something that I just wasn't completely behind and I felt was a reflection of something I was really proud of. But at the time, it's like we were, I had two, one week available where I could shoot the video and it was two weeks out from that video, from that one week. So I'm like, where am I going to find a new director in two weeks to shoot? It's no time at all. And um, I was staying at my boyfriend Jared's and we walked downstairs and his roommate, Dylan, um, he's a producer. And I was like, hey, Dylan, do you know any directors who maybe could shoot a video in two weeks on a very limited budget and he's like yeah i'll ask (laughs) and connected me with jade and jade was like he's like this is so funny but i saw your crush video and i was like i'm gonna reach out to her and ask if she wants to work together because i love what she's doing so much but i never did because i felt like you just knew who you were so much and you didn't need any new input and i was like what that's crazy that is like the craziest coincidence so serendipitous and um yeah i i had like a vision board of all these different images and pictures and um of uh, a photographer that i've worked with for um the last two covers who i love um a lot of his images and i was like can we do something like this and can can we do it in like no time at all with no money and he's like yeah i think so <laughs> so one trip out to the desert later one trip to a clothesline later and we're done yeah almost all of those were shot in one day all the indoor really? shots and the clothesline shot were all shot in one day the only things that were separate days was the desert was its own day because it was like a three-hour drive each way and then the um 
stadium seating and the garden was a separate day. That's something I wanted to ask about. Where is that stadium? I, uh, it is somewhere that we may or may not have had permission to shoot. Oh, okay. In a state in the U.S. of A. So it's definitely on Earth. Is that what you're confirming? It's definitely on Earth. Okay, that's that's a good thing. Don't want to go to, to Mars to. But, oh, imagine that the next music video on Mars. Nice. I would. Oh, please let me be in it. I would come to Mars just to be in the next music. What are we talking about? Anyway, so the music video it all came together so quickly. And what happened to the first music video that was filmed? Will that ever see the light of day? Do you think? Um. Maybe. I mean, I thought I had the idea if I could release this as a lyric video. It's just one location. Um, I haven't revisited yet, but maybe. Um, I don't want to spoil it yet in case I do use it, because there were elements of it I really liked. I do love a spoiler. Spoilers are wonderful. (laughs) And what's the reaction been like to Bad Ideas? Have the fans enjoyed it as much as Crush, do you think? I, whew, that's a good question. Um, I think my fans have enjoyed it as much, yes. But um, at the same time, it is a song that it takes a little bit more um, work to ingest. There's a lot of words in it, which I guess there's a lot of words in Crush, but the subject matter is a little heavier. So it doesn't have the same virality, I think, as Crush did. Um so I think it might be easy to look at like how many streams each has and been like, oh, people don't like this song, maybe. But I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like that's a reflection of how much people like it. I think it's just more a reflection of how shareable is it. See, I, I don't. Again, I'm not going to pick because I love both songs, but I really like Bad Ideas. Like I loved Crush, and then Bad Ideas came along, and I was like, I love Bad Ideas as well. How do I? So I'm not going to pick which one's best. I'm just saying, I love both of them personally, and if you don't love both of them, then you're entitled to your opinion. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people. It's funny. I I mean, part of that is me reminding myself, because there is some sense of, like, I, I definitely early on, I was like, why, why don't people like this song? This is my favorite song. Um, and just having to remind yourself that, um, we live in a culture that tells us that how many clicks or streams or views something has is inherently how, how much worth it has. And that isn't necessarily true. Um, you know, what is worth? What worth can be how much does something mean to one person? You know, I have songs that are deeply meaningful to me and they're meaningful to me, not because they have a lot of streams, but because what they say affects me. Hmm. So I think Weird. I think as long as you enjoy what you're doing and it, if other people enjoy it, it's kind of a bonus. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I mean, intellectually, yes. Emotionally, not always. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a friend was asking me about that the other day. Um, can, can you just enjoying it be enough? And... I, I guess I, I like I don't want I don't want to answer that with no, because they feel like such separate processes. The process of creating something, of creating the song, within the creation, I think that's the only thing that matters. Do you enjoy it? Does this speak to you? Does it um, speak a part of you? But then release is a whole whole different experience, a whole different structure, and in some sense, it's like if all that matters is. If you like it, why release it at all? You know, mm, yeah, that's um, a good that's a good argument. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, at the moment when I was having this conversation, I was like, I don't know. Maybe some part of me feels like, like when I wrote it, it just felt so true to what I was going through. And then, if people don't like it, I'm like, maybe, maybe it's just me. But even that is such a false. Um, uh, falsity because people love it you know it's yeah. just so strange to follow up the success of crush <laughs> yeah speaking of the success of crush and the success of bad ideas and it was a success don't let don't let anybody don't let it don't let me think what am i trying to say Absol- here? i was no, absolutely 
I feel like I'm kind of putting a downer on bad ideas, like tell me why this is a thing, tell me why it exists. But honestly, I'm I'm I adore bad ideas. I think it's probably one of my favourite Tessa Violet songs. What I'm trying to ask is, what's next? What is the next single? What is the next video? Can you tell us anything about that? Ooh, um, I mean, what's next is probably a little far off for me. It's still very early days with Bad Ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, We, because of being an independent artist, um, the whereas if you were with a label, like the first week of release can tell you so much about the song's performance because it's immediately launched out to everywhere it needs to be. But as an indie artist, um, the process is more like you release the song, you see how it performs on analytics, and then you pitch to playlists. And um, it's a longer process. So it's still like, even though um, if you've been with me and you've been watching, it feels like, yeah, Bad Ideas is up for a month. What's next? Um, internally, yeah. it's like, oh, no, we got lots of time here. Lots of time to revel in Bad Ideas. I think as a fan, like, Bad Ideas came out and I was like, ooh, okay, Bad Ideas is here. Now what's next? Ooh, Crash came out. Ooh, what's next? So there is an immediacy of just wanting the next thing, but it also is nice to sit and enjoy it for a little while. Totally. Is there going to be an acoustic? Because you put out an acoustic version of Crush. Is there one of them coming for Bad Ideas, do you think? Uh, I wasn't planning to, but that's a good idea. Maybe I will now that we've had this conversation. Please do. I'll pay you. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any money to pay you, but I will pay you in, like, what do you like? Do you like cookies or? Mm, I like chips. Ooh, which means french fries, which I love more than chips. So that worked out. Tell you what, when you come to the UK, I will get you a proper Scottish fish and chips. Great. Damn. I've had that and it was unbelievable. So good. Have you ever tried the deep fried Mars bar? No, I don't like sweets that much. I had a friend from it. Well, we were working together at some sporting event and she'd never, she came over from Italy and she'd never had a deep fried Mars bar. So I gave her a deep fried Mars bar and she, well, she, she, she had it. Let's just agree with she, she tried it, but I will get you to try it. You announced that bad ideas and I may be getting this completely wrong, is going to come out in three different parts. Mm-hmm. And I would, I kind of equate things to the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming out in stages. So where mm. are we in the Tessa Violet Cinematic Universe? <laughs> um, so we're two songs into the first EP. I'm going to really sit in three acts, act one, act two, act three. Um, but also one song at a time. So the next song will come out and then when the fourth song comes out the first three songs will be wrapped up into an ep i think is how it'll work that's uh, sort of my plan for now but um you know my plan is kind of ever shifting as the time progresses tessa would you introduce bad ideas for us please we're about to play it so would you introduce your song for us please sure Hi, I'm Tessa Violet, and this is my song, Bad Ideas. This is the Peter Greenwood Show podcast. Now, along with Tessa a few weeks ago, I had another guest. His name is Frank Turner. He's a musician. You've heard of him, trust me. And he was gracious enough to give me some of his time, and this is what we spoke about. How are you today, Frank? Are you well? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. I'm in the middle of a massive UK tour at the moment, but today is a day off, so I'm enjoying myself. Um, London history is my passion outside of uh, music, so I'm enjoying myself wandering around London looking at old things. That, that's it. It's good that you're in the city where you can indulge the passion. What? What kind of secrets do people that people might not know about London? Oh, well, I mean, I, I've started collecting kind of old London walking guides over the years, and uh, um, I just wandered by uh, the last original Graham Nash frontage in the city, which is at the uh, Trafalgar Square end of the Strand, and I'm heading up to the Museum of London to see their new exhibition. So uh, the thing I love about London is that it's endless. There, there is no way that any one person could see or learn everything there is in London. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bottomless hobby. That is absolutely fascinating because I've never been to London. I've always wanted to, but it just seems so big, kind of like New York or LA, just one of those places it, that just goes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it appeals to some people and not to others. I mean, for me as a kid, 
I sort of arrived in London as early as I could. I've got family here and just kind of lost myself in the city as much as possible. Some people find that intimidating. Personally, I find it kind of liberating. I would like to ask about places you've been and whatnot and how it impacts your music specifically. Is that, do you take inspiration from that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've spent my adult life traveling and playing music, which is a huge privilege that I'm grateful for. At the same time, like when I started making solo records back in 2005, one of my early kind of points of interest for me was the way that in, within folk music, um, you know, place, the sense of place plays a heavy role, you know, um, and that's everything from kind of old traditional English or uh, Scottish or Irish or Welsh music all the way through to like Springsteen uh, singing about New Jersey and his record Nebraska, which is very much about certain areas of the American Midwest. Um, so, you know, I wanted to kind of bring a sense of that into the music that I make. Um, at the same time, I mean, first of all, I feel like I made those records. I made an album called Ing Keep My Bones that was on that subject. Um, and also, you know, I do, I'm, I mean, uh, I, whilst I do live in London, I am on tour most of the year, every year. So um, uh, hopefully the things that I take in as I travel around the world have an influence on what I do as well. I think that is one of the most fascinating things about music and how freeing it must be as a songwriter to also to be able to write songs about where you're from, but also to take in the influences of places you've been. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and, and indeed, not just the individual place that you go, but the general sense of being on the move and being itinerant is something that is very kind of important to me. Do you know what I mean? I, li I like to know that I'm going to be in different places most days of the year. Yeah, like structured, very put together. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, um, uh, this year I've already been to Sierra Leone. I'm doing a UK tour and I'll be heading off to America uh, pretty soon. And I'm going to spend the summer in Europe. And that makes me feel good. That is pretty remarkable. Can I ask about Sierra Leone? Because I've, I've never been there either. What, what's it like? It's I've heard it's the most beautiful, friendly place that you can imagine. It, it certainly is. I mean, it's a very, very poor country. And the, the reason that I go to Sierra Leone is there is a charity called Way Out Arts who work with um, homeless, street and disadvantaged youth uh, in the slums of Freetown. So um, they, when, when I go there, I spend my time hanging out with the poorest people in one of the poorest countries in the world. So in terms of culture shock, it's pretty extreme. And there's a lot of people living in absolutely staggering poverty. Um, at the same time, you know, the reason that I'm there and, the, and, the, and the, is to help the charity and the work that they do, um, which uh, which makes a real difference to these people's lives. So it's it's quite sort of rewarding uh, going over. And it, there are moments of great beauty and the people are just fantastic. And it must feel quite nice to be able to give back as well. Definitely. I mean, you know, I, professionally, I spend a fair amount of my time. Uh, traveling around the world, um, t trying to sort of tell people about me and about my music and about my shows. And that's part of the job. But it's really, it is nice to take some of your time to do something that's a little bit more uh, directed at people who need it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. I'm, I'm, I like that a lot. Not that you need my approval. I'm just saying that it's, it's, it's a good <laughs> well, thing. Well, thank you. Because it's so easy for singer-songwriters and performers, especially when they get to the level that you're at, to just kind of bury themselves away. Whereas... Most. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. At the same time, I mean, one of the things for me is like, you know, I, I'm, I've been fortunate in life to enjoy a, a, a hefty degree of success and it's been sustained as well. You know, I'm sort of, um, I'm quite comfortable playing in uh, what are to me large venues around the world and have them for several years. And, and in that, in a way, I find that quite liberating in the sense it gives me the sense the, the, the sense that I can, I don't need to spend too much time kind of shouting about uh, myself and my own career as, as I used to. Uh, you know, and I can take time to do other things, extracurricular activities, shall we say. I won't ask what they are, just for the sake of, of, our, of both our dignities. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask a little bit about the music and the tour, which is called Don't Worry, the Don't Worry Tour. Yes, yeah, the, well, and then we have a Don't Worry EP that was out today, in fact, um, which has been great. Um, uh, so the album itself, Be More Kind, came out in May last year, and uh, I've been on tour pretty constantly since then, telling people about it. Um, uh, this is an EP, I mean, so the song Don't Worry is from the album, that's the kind of the new single, if you like, but there's also, there's uh, material on the EP, there's uh, uh, three or four other songs that are um, from the same sessions, as the album but they are different tracks or the, in one case it's a different version of a track and and it's you know th this material is there i want to get it out i want to share it with the world i like giving people new stuff when i can so uh in particular there's a song on the ep called bar stuff which is one of my favorite songs i've written in years so i'm very pleased to have that out and in the world 
I want to ask about the EP, because how do you decide what songs went on the album? And when the album <laughs> was finalised, was there an idea like we could put this material out later? Or was this yeah. a spur of the moment thing? Um, no, no, no I, there, there, this has definitely always been the plan since, since the album sessions. Um, basically, um, uh, pretty much every time I make a record, I end up with going into the studio with more songs written than that you, one would need for a traditionally uh, shaped record. Um, and the choice of which songs make the album is, uh, it's kind of thematic for me. You know, I'm, I'm old fashioned. I still believe in the album as a coherent, uh, body of work. Um, Be More Kind in particular is, it's not a concept record particularly, but it's a record that's very much about a certain theme, um, which is, uh, you know, um, communication and about disagreement and about the collapse in our political and civil discourse over the last decade or so and within that a song that bar stuff is a song that says thank you to people who work in bars for looking after me over the years um that didn't really feel like it fit thematically with the album as a whole but it is in my opinion a really strong song so uh right from the beginning i think you know the idea was like well that's one that's going to go on the uh on, on the ep as and when that comes around and the ep is out now will you be playing songs from the ep on the tour i think so yes um uh, you know, especially now that they're out in the world. I mean, it's always a funny thing. Like, I like playing new material. At the same time, I have so much. I've got seven albums of solo material and lots of B-sides and all the rest floating around. And when I'm playing a show, I sort of slightly feel like it's it's a better use of my time to play songs that people might know because there's always more songs that people want to hear than I can play. But now that these songs are out there, that's, that's kind of more reason for me able to play them at shows. So there will be material out there, yes. One of the songs I wanted to ask about, and I know you said your favourite is Bar Staff, but I want to ask about mm. Little Changes, which you recorded with mm. an actual choir. How did how did that yes. come about? Well, so there's an organisation in Toronto called Choir, 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 which is a sort of community choir type thing, and they just get together and they arrange these wonderful kind of communal, collective choral arrangements. And it's it's an amateur choir, you know, it's it's just sort of whoever wants to show up and have a go. And um, they've they've worked with loads of great artists over the years and, and recorded some really beautiful music. And when they got in touch with me and asked if I'd be interested in, uh, you know, uh, contributing a song and, and working with them on a song, I was uh, instantly, it was, a, it was a yes straight away from me. And uh, we talked about which songs we might go with and we went with Little Change in the end. Um, you know, and I wrote the song, obviously, and I sing it, uh, but the guys from Clark 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 did the arrangement uh, and we had about 100 people in the room and it was just a beautiful sound. That must be one of the perks when you think, yes, I really love what I do. When you can stand in a room and there's a hundred person choir just singing your song back at you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a fortunate man, you know, and I, there are there are plenty of occasions in my working week when I kind of I, I marvel anew at how lucky I am to be doing what I'm doing and the compliments I get paid for the songs that I write. But that was a special one for sure. This is the voice of Frank Turner. He is playing at the O2 Academy in Glasgow on Tuesday, the 29th of January. The new EP is called Don't Worry, and it is out right now. Congratulations on the EP and its release. Thank you very much. For those who haven't been to a Frank Turner show, what can what can they expect? Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give too much about the show away because it's always good when it's a surprise for the people coming down. But me and the Sleeping Souls, my band, we've been a touring uh, entertainment unit for, I mean, the, the last member joined 11 years ago. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. I like to think we're a well-oiled uh, rock and roll machine. So it's a, it's a show, it's a celebration, it's communion, it's a participation sport as well. But people very much have to get involved. The other thing to mention, of course, is I always pick my own supports for shows, and we, I'm kind of blown away by the other bands playing on this tour. We've got Grace Petrie opening up the shows. She's an amazing folk singer from Leicester who I love. She, her work's incredible. And then as main support, we've got Jimmy Eat World, a band that I have loved for two decades, um, and I'm kind of staggered that they agreed to be uh, on the tour with me, but they did, so they will be playing as well. That is something I wanted to ask about, because Jimmy Eat World are a band I knew in high school, and I loved them then. What are, the, what are those guys like, and how... Just tell me about Jimmy Eat World is what I want to know. They're, yeah, they're, they're amazing people. I mean, you know, I've, I've been listening to them since the Clarity record came out in the 90s, and love their music all the way through. Um, I We have crossed paths with them a handful of times over the years on tour, mostly in the United States, and, um, and they're really nice guys, Jim. Adkins, the singer especially, and I are quite close. Um, the idea, you know, this tour is a big one for me, and, and the idea was to uh, try and have a big name in that main support slot. Um, and when the idea came up of asking Jimmy to do it, I was kind of joking, I'll be honest with you, because I didn't think there was any way that they would say yes <laughs> to doing a tour 
where they played for me, but they did. Uh, and here we are. We have Jimmy opening shows, and like, and they're having a whale of a time, and so are we. So everybody wins. And that that is remarkable. I mean, Jimmy Eat World can sell out a stadium by themselves. So this is going to be a show you're going to want to see if you like Jimmy Eat World and Frank Turner. It's two great well, exactly. tastes that taste great together. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a solid evening of entertainment. Frank, we're going to play your most recent single from the EP, which is called Don't Worry. What can you tell us about this song? Uh, this is song is the first track on the album, Be More Kind. So um, uh, it's, been a, it's been out for a little while, but we're now sort of focusing on it, if you like. Um, it's, it is uh, a song that I love a lot. It's a very simple song by design. Um, I, whilst writing and recording the most recent record, I was very obsessed with the songwriting work of Bill Withers. Um, and I wanted to kind of write a song that kind of felt like a Bill Withers song. And we ended up with the song, Don't Worry. I can't thank you enough for your time today. It means so much for me to speak to you because I've been a fan for a long time. Well, thank you. It is a great pleasure to speak to you too. You're very kind, sir. Would you introduce your song for us, please? I'd love to. Uh, My name is Frank Turner, and this is my new single. This song is called Don't Worry. Don't worry if you don't know what to do. I've spent a little time in worry too. This week was the first live week I've done. I mean, I've done pre-record shows but for a few weeks, but this was the first live show in studio. And this also was the week after I got a haircut. So, it's story time. This is how and why I got a haircut. Enjoy the hair ASMR. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. I am the host of this train wreck. My name is Peter Greenwood. I nearly tore my headphones right off my head there, and that's where they need to be. Speaking of my head, I'm going to tell you a story. This is story time, so gather around. Let's all, let's all gather around, have a cuppa, if you're driving. <laughs> Just sit back, pull up a cup of tea, make yourself comfy. And I'm going to tell you a story about what I did to my head yesterday, because my head now sounds like this. Have a listen. Yes, I'm sure I will get no thank yous for rubbing my head on the microphone. But as you can hear, that's the sound of short hair. And my hair's always been kind of traditionally longer. So, I'm going to tell you what happened. Basically, I went to get a haircut. And last time I got my hair cut, it was about maybe half an inch or so. Don't ask how I know what exactly half an inch is. Y'all know what I'm saying. So it was about half an inch or so long. And I was like, yeah, that's that's fine, that's fine. I realise I made a mistake, though, because that half an inch was a number four on the clippers. And I went in there and I asked for a number two. Now... To her credit, the girl did ask, are you sure you want it all over? I didn't think anything of it, because I thought I knew what I was doing. I was like, yeah, cut the hair, it'll be fine, cut it all off. So, the girl gets the clippers, and she starts clipping it with a number four, and that's when I see that is the length that I actually want. So I'd made a terrible mistake. She then gets out the number two clippers, and you can see the difference between number two and number four almost immediately. And basically, I was too embarrassed to realise I'd made a mistake and to admit I'd made a mistake, so I just let her go with it. So now I have ridiculously short hair, and in the time since I've been here and the last time I was here, I've grown a goatee. This is what it sounds like. Listen, Listen to my beard. See, that's what my beard sounds like. So, I am now basically Walter White. Except for, I am Walter, a word I can't say. But it rhymes with white. You know what I'm saying. You know the word. Uh, So, yeah. That is what happened. That's a story time. I made a huge mistake and I am paying for it because it is freezing cold today. And then, of course, there was everybody's favourite bit of this week's show. My favourite bit of this week's show... The tragic story of the persecution of Dave Assman. Who is Dave Assman? Well, my friend, take a listen and find out.
That there's Billy Ray Cyrus here on the Peter Greenwood Show. My name is Peter Greenwood Show, and I'm bringing you the freshest country hits from all over this great nation of ours. Coming up soon, we're going to be playing some Dolly Parton, but first, I got an achy break of heart for you. Yeah, I'm never doing that again. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. Hello there. How are we all today? God, there's such a difference between doing it like this and being all American and doing it like this in my natural, proper accent. Hello there. Welcome to today's show. Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome to today's show. I'm going to stop doing that. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. It is time to do something we haven't done in a while, but something I've missed. It's time to do the news. Let's talk about our friend from Canada. He is from Saskatchewan. And his name, this is his name. You can't shout at me for this. Dave Assman has requested a personalised licence plate but he's not allowed to give it on the grounds of it it contains an unacceptable slogan. Now he pronounces his name as Osman, O-S-S-M-A-N but it's spelt A-S-S-M-A-N so that's his name. His name is David Assman. Now, Dave is determined to fight for his right to license plate. And he says, oh, That there's my last name, eh? I've always had it. I'm not ashamed of it. There's nothing bad about my last name there, do we? Now, according to the history of the Assman family, it comes from a proud legacy. His... <laughs> I made it further into this story than I thought it would before I started laughing. Dave Osman, we'll call him from now on. His great grandfather was a proud Osman and he used to help farmers. Farmers would come here in the 30s eh, and borrow money from my grandpa. Instead of him foreclosing on the land, he either just forgave it or let them pay what they could, eh? But according to government officials, a license plate with his last name could offend. A quote from a government official said, Even if a word is someone's name and pronounced differently than the offensive version, that's not something that would be apparent to other motorists who will see the plate. Poor Dave Assman. He just wants to drive his truck in peace. But he's not allowed. And that's how we do that. That is the news. Now, the word legendary is thrown around an awful lot these days, but my guest this week was comedian Tom Stade. He was performing in Glasgow at The Stand, and he spoke to us about how comedy has changed over the years. <laughs> this is the Peter Greenwood Show. I am the host of this train wreck. My name is Peter. Now, the term legendary is kicked around an awful lot, but for my next guest, it's actually appropriate. Could you introduce yourself to the world, please, sir? Uh, my name is Tom Stade, and I am a humor specialist. That's a good way of putting it, humor specialist. I've never heard that one before. I just made it up. It's I a feel fantastic. That it, it gives me a PhD in something. It feels like, because I've been around for like 30 years, I must, 
at least have a master's in comedy. <laughs> I feel that's enough to get you a... Is a master's the highest? You, I, don't, I don't know qualifications. So is a master's the highest you can get? I, I feel I like it might be. I, I would have feel the, 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 the term itself... It's like, unless I can go to Grandmaster, <laughs> oh. that doesn't sound right. But that would be fantastic on a business card. Grandmaster Tom Stade. Grandmaster Humorist. Oh, there you go. That's and the title. part-time model. <laughs> can you please name your, tour, your next tour, Grandmaster Humorist? Oh, actually, I will put that in the hat, man. Excellent. <laughs> I actually like that idea. That is fantastic. <laughs> I would love that. Like, if I look up and I, and I see Grandmaster Humorist, I will just die from joy. Anyway, how are you today, Tom? Whereabouts are you in the world today? Um, right now, I'm in my, my house in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah? Mm. What, what's the weather like over there today? Because over here, it, it's kind it, of awful. It's, it's like a cold kind of morning. It's, it's not like, I mean, it's not Canadian cold. You know what I mean? Like it's got it's it's cold, but it nobody's gonna die today. <laughs> yeah, yet yet We're being up to yet, and and if they did, man, nature just took out another weak one. <laughs> <laughs> Darwinism at its finest. Of course, that's what I <laughs> like to I? say. Tom is here because we are talking about his gig at the stand on the 10th of February. The tour is called I Swear. Let's start by asking about the tour. Why is I it called... I Swear 2. Oh, I, say, I Swear 2. I apologise. Why is it called no. I Swear 2? Well, last year we did a show called I Swear, which uh, my gal came up with. She thought it was really funny and we couldn't stop laughing at the like, uh, double entendre going on there. <laughs> So, so we, uh, we wrote, the sh- we wrote, a, like, seriously, it was hilarious. We wrote it. And then, so the next year we thought, you know, it'd be even funnier is if we just did, I swear too, like a sequel. <laughs> yes. But, but I'm like the Dalai Lama and Eckhart Tolle. You gotta call it something. <laughs> yeah, it can't. It can't just be Tom Stayed Live. It has to be, has to have a name. Is that, is that right? I, I I would actually prefer that, Pete. I don't know why I'm not why I succumb to all this stuff. <laughs> Maybe I think you might be right. I'm just gonna call it Tom Stayed Live, Grandmaster Humorist. <laughs> Of the fourth order. <laughs> oh, the fourth. Oh, well, sir, I must. I actually, I actually saluted there. You can't see me. Nobody can see me. But I actually saluted in instinct at that. Of <laughs> Excellent, Pete. <laughs> oh. So the tour is called "I Swear Two, and how does it differ from the first one? Um, it kind of doesn't, man. It, 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 it went, okay, I write with a, a big whiteboard in my kitchen, and it's usually in the morning with a coffee before the world starts bugging me. And I had so much material that, like, I, it could have been a two-hour show, but they uh, all they do is they've, because uh, you can only have the one-hour show. So I thought, I'm going to do a double album and just do everything I wrote for the one show. And then just sort of keep the theme going because I've got a really great ending to this one. I think the critics will love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about, getting the critics in, in the palm of your hand, right? <laughs> oh, dude, like, what do they know? What are they, they see a show and, and then that's it. But the one thing I will give them, you got to listen to them because they've probably seen more shows than you have. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. an argument between us and critics all the time because you're only coming to one of my shows, but you're judging it on every show you've ever seen. Yeah, and if something makes you laugh on Tuesday night and something doesn't make you laugh on Wednesday night, then they're kind of judging it against that, like the last time they had a good time. Yes, yes. We've got a very subjective nature going on here. <laughs> That's, mm, I love it. All right. <laughs> let me uh, let me ask you something about because the show is called I Swear, and we discussed this a little bit off air, and it's becoming in this day and age more. 
acceptable to look to comedians as a source of news. So when a comedian does say something offensive, people get up in arms about it. How has that changed in the 30 years you've been in the business? Oh my God, I love that question, Pete. Um, uh, first of all, can I break it down into the one? Okay, first of all, offense. That has always been every comedian's interest. Do you know what I mean? Name me one comedian that gets offended by anything. That's fact, a good point. Do you know what I mean? Most of the people I hang out with don't even understand offense. They understand it, but they, you know what I mean? They don't understand why people do it. Yeah. It's a comedy club. But um, them turning to comedians as news it actually makes a lot of sense, man, because they are the, the, the philosophers, the psychologists, but, but they bring the humor to the situation. Do you know what I mean? Because like, every, every story's got, like, every eye on it, right? You got, you know, yeah. You're going to have, like, angry person watching it, and he's going to see the angry side, and he's going to rage out on Twitter. <laughs> look at this <laughs> and then and then you've got like the sad people you know they're like they'll see the situation and they'll be like oh my god how could that happen to somebody i must do something and then you have the humorous side of this is all ridiculous why can't anybody see how funny this is because we have no choice we're just living it yeah, it's like if you don't look at it one way, then you're kind of doomed to be sad because sometimes all you can do is laugh at a situation like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever thought of. Think of any, okay, think of any horrid situation, like whatever your horrid is, and just you'll, now you'll be able to see the funny side of it because it just shouldn't have happened. But it did. It's the it's how far do you want to go with the guy slipping on the banana peel? Do you know what I mean? Like you I think himself. it's okay to want to see brains when the guy slips in the banana peel. Oh yeah, yeah, like, like yeah, still but, inside I mean, the skull, but you know, just a little bit of just a little bit of cracking. <laughs> it's the skill on how you tell it. Yeah, that's that's the difference. You know what I mean? One person can't, like, if you're going to make something like you're like the Mark Twain's, you know what I mean? You're going to really uh, push this idea. You can get away with anything, you know, but but uh, sometimes you want to say the same thing as Mark Twain, but you can't. And that's where the problems come in. You know what I mean? So yeah, people see that and they say, well, we're never going to laugh at this again. <laughs> And you're like, no, it was just told bad. There is <laughs> and something that's all about... we're watching. Yeah, and but... I'm of the I'm of the George Carlin. I'm not on any side. I'm sitting there watching the freak show, man. Yeah, you jo know what I mean. Like, I miss George. Oh. I wish George was still here to talk about the world nowadays. Oh, and Patrice O'Neill. Mm -hmm. uh, so many greats, man. I, I mean, thank God we still got Doug Stanhope. <laughs> But we need to protect Doug Stanhope. Like, just wrap Ooh. him up in in bubble wrap and 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 foil, and just save Doug Stanhope. Yeah, uh, what, he's one of the best of all time, as far as I'm concerned, man. He makes me laugh every time. I think he's really great. He first came to my attention doing Charlie Brooker's Screen Wipe, or was it News Wipe? I forget. I know he was on one of the Charlie Brooker shows, but yes, he was, man. He was in a couch. That's right. And yes, he, and he talked about uh, the British uh, because he got free health care because he needed. Yeah, <laughs> like he he actually argued the point of people having guns. And I loved it. Yeah. And there's <laughs> also, fabulous. there are people like Doug Stanhope, and also I think like you, yourself, that oh, just, yeah. I don't want to say don't care what people think, but you will just say it and put it out there and then to hell with the consequences. Is that? Well, mm, that's an interesting one, Pete, because I don't, I do care. I care that they see my integrity. Yeah. I don't think it's about what they think. You know, you can think what you want about me, 
but I am the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not a copy. I, I have my own voice, you yeah. know, whereas you in this business, it's it's I read a book called Simula and Simulation about how, you know, you copy the real thing. The next thing gets copied isn't the real thing. It's kind of the real thing looks like. Yeah. And it keeps on going. And eventually it looks better than the real thing. <laughs> So, I don't even know why I was saying that one. It it makes sense. It's kind of like how Jimmy Fallon desperately wants to be funny, but he's just Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because what I care about people think. The thing is, is that I always feel real on stage, and I feel real hanging even out talking to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so that's the only thing that I care about. When I go on that stage, I'm the same person as I am off stage. You know, like there's no, I, I don't want that divide. But it, and I and I took I took uh, other than putting on a show, realizing that I'm the show, Pete. Yeah, I kind of I I don't want to go into a story about me, but I kind of feel the Ooh. same way because I let's go in a story about you, Pete. Of course we should. Well, I'm I'm about eight years into radio, and I didn't want to be one of those kind of i didn't want to do just 47 seconds of chat and then on to the next song i what if i'm off i want the audience to know i'm off if i'm happy i want the audience to know i'm happy i feel that it's important to communicate with the audience because that is something that i feel is missing in media nowadays are you talking because nobody talks face to face anymore or they do Maybe they, I, I think they do, but I mean, there's this feeling that, that everything's on Instagram now and you've got no human con, you know, uh, contact and that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, totally, Pete. I think you should get mad. I think you should do it. That's what makes people interesting because in a way, it, I think it makes you feel a bit normal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, cause I, I personally think everybody's freaking out out there. You know, I mean, like the, I can't remember who said it, but can you remember one hero that didn't have to go over a bunch of hurdles? Uh, <laughs> and we're all kind of heroes in our own story. Yeah. Nobody ever made it to the finish line and went, Ooh, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, like nobody ever just walks up and is like, I would like to be a stand up comedian, please. Certainly, here you go, sir. Carry on. <laughs> like, everyone has to go through not only their personal challenges, but also a lot of rejection from the audience, from promoters, from that kind of thing. And when you do start making a name for yourself, when you do start building something, it's that much more satisfying because you have done it. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I was, you know what, uh, but that's getting shorter and shorter now. And I feel for people that are getting into the business now, they've got a whole different road to go down, man. It, it's, it's crazy. It's so, it's more competitive than I've ever seen in my lifetime. <laughs> like, and I've been from like, like 89 so I've gotten to see three different generations of comedy, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. really exciting when you look back on it. And because everybody tends to associate their starting comedy with what's going on now. But their starting comedy back then was hilarious. But now you have to be quicker. You have to get better, faster, because there's more competition. You know what I mean? So I think the real good ones, you know, are are coming out now because they're like gazelles. They're like spit out. Yeah. And then they better start running. <laughs> you know, no, the, anything I say ain't a slag. It's just how I see something, okay? Yeah. Like any, I don't like, because I'm not there, right? But I saw like uh, 20 netflix specials come out at one time and from what i know of choice you know when you have too many choices you can't even choose you know like you you wouldn't and 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 to me that's like that's like a rough road whatever's going on because 
they're like warriors. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like an elder statesman. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really out on the battlefield anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is the voice of Tom Stade. Tom, I'm going to have to let you go because I could talk to you all day and I know you've got other things to do. But I just want to remind people that the show is the 10th of February. It is at the stand. It is called I Swear To. Tom Stade, and where can people find you on the internet? Okay, number one, uh, if you, I put the original I Swear uh, uh, show on YouTube for free. Ah. Okay, me, me and my son filmed that, and it's awesome. It's, it's such a great one. So if you want to go and check that out, go on to YouTube, uh, Tom State, I swear. And then if you go to, like, my website or whatever, or whatever, <laughs> no, not whatever, just my website. Tom, I went to the pepper shaker, and you weren't there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just go on to my website and click around, and there'll be where you can see me playing and all that. And that would be great. My brothers and sisters. And that is Tom Stade, S-T-A-D-E, in case you're wondering how to spell his last name. Tom, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Peter. Take care of yourself, brother. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between is it for this week's show. I want to thank you for your time and for your patience. I'll be back again next week when my guests will be girly. Stay tuned for that. Until then, I'm Peter Greenwood. Bye, everybody. Bye.